Well, again, I do want to say Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for joining us. You know, it's hard to believe. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning we're going to wake up. And 30 days worth of work is going to be over. And let's be honest, parents, that 30 days worth of work and prep and all of that stuff is really going to be over in about, oh, 10 minutes. Like, by the way, guys, if you haven't started shopping, Christmas is tomorrow. Okay? Um, But, man, it's crazy to think all of the buildup, all of the things going on, and then it's over. It's, it's done. Your radio stations will go back to normal programming. Uh, but this evening, this final evening of preparation, God wants you to know that he desires for you to have the hope and the joy that's often sung about in Christmas songs. Not just one day out of the year, but every day of your life. You see, while Christmas Day is going to come and go tomorrow, really that first Christmas was the beginning of God's eternal plan set in motion. It was a plan that God is still orchestrating to this day. A plan that includes you and me. And not just those who go to church on a Christmas Eve, but those who seem the furthest from God. This is a plan that includes them. Now, what is this plan? Well, we're going to look at it from Luke chapter 2. I'm going to just start in verse 10. And I'm going to ask if you can, would you stand with me as we just honor God's word. And the scripture is going to be behind me. Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 10 says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let's pray together. Father, we just again want to come before you and want to say thank you. Because every day you show love and you show grace and mercy. And Lord, it's a special time that we celebrate that love and that grace here at Christmas. But God, you desire that we would live in that love and that grace every day. And so Father, we pray that you would just speak to every heart and every life that is gathered in this place tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The one big thing for tonight, if you get nothing else out of the next 15 to to 20 minutes, I hope you'll walk away knowing this. That Jesus' birth demonstrates that God fulfills his promise, that he loves all of mankind, and that he desires a relationship with each person. That you are important, and that you matter. So why do we celebrate Christmas? Well, we celebrate it to remember who that baby is. Was born in that manger nearly 2,000 years ago. Three things that just jump out of our text here. The first one is the baby is a fulfillment of God's promises. 
Now, the people of God, the nation of Israel, they had been given many, many promises from God over their time. And God had fulfilled many of them. However, by the time the Christmas story unfolds, it's been about 400 years since God had sent a prophet to the nation of Israel. God's chosen people, the the ones that he promised to use and be blessed in all of the world. And for 400 years, they felt like they had never heard from God. They probably wondered, is God done with us? Does God no longer love me? Have I finally made such a big mistake in my life that God has just washed his hand of me and walked away from me? My guess is there's probably some of you tonight that feel that way. You see, the world loves to beat us down. The world loves to remind us every mistake that we make. It loves to tell us that unless you look like this or have this education or have this amount of money, then you just don't matter. Maybe you love God. Maybe you have been praying and praying and praying for God to move in a situation, but you find yourself tonight, you know, you talk about the joy of Christmas, and you're going, you know what, man, I just don't feel that joy. Life is beating you down. The devil is beating you up. And maybe it's something that you prayed for for a while. You know, we as a society, we don't like waiting, do we? I mean, we live in a society now of microwaves, Okay, we have 24-hour sports, 24-hour news cycles. We have social media, all of these things going on. Uh, here's the thing. You used to have to carry cash to be able to buy stuff. Now you don't. You know, now anymore, you don't even have to carry your credit card because if, if you got one of these little things with Apple Pay or whatever they call Androids, you double-click it, smile at it, and it says paid. That's how, late, that's how fast-paced we've really become. Like, we want it now, and we, please don't make me wait about it. But even as Christians, you know, sometimes you pray about something. And maybe at first, like, you're praying a lot about it. Every day, multiple times a day. But it feels like God's just not answering. You feel like God's just not listening anymore. And over time, you stop praying about it because you've given up on God. Now, you would never say I've given up on God, but you feel like he's given up on you. You feel like whatever you've been praying about, God's not going to do anything about it. And so you just stop praying. You just give up in that moment. So what is this Christmas story really uh, about Well, this Christmas story is really about this, that God fulfills his promises, that God is faithful, that he is trustworthy, that if God has promised something, he's going to deliver it. And we can see three specific promises fulfilled here on that first Christmas night. The first one is that God promised thousands of years ago that he was going to send a Savior. Well, if we read in our text or we read in Matthew 1, we see that in fact... God did send a Savior. You know, God promised in Isaiah chapter 7. Now, this prophecy comes 700 years before Christ is born. In Isaiah 7, God promises that his Savior 
was going to be born of a virgin. You read Matthew 1, you see the introduction to Mary. You see that again, even after 700 years, God has fulfilled his promises. Not only would God promise to send a Savior, not only would he say he's going to be born of a virgin, but you can go to the little Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, and you could read this, that God's Savior, the Savior of the world, was going to be born in a little town called Bethlehem. And so what I want you to hear tonight is this, that God is faithful, that God is trustworthy, that God will fulfill his promises. Now God's going to fulfill them in his time. Again, he spoke through Isaiah 700 years before it happened. It had been 400 years since Israel had had a prophet sent to them. And so while God will fulfill his promises, you and I have to understand that it's always in God's time. Now I can't tell you when God's timing is going to be on every situation, but I can tell you one emotion that typically we get into before God answers and it's the emotion of desperation when we finally get to that point where we stop trying to figure it out when we stop trying to fix it and we just go God I can't do this when we get to the end of ourselves That's typically where we find God has been waiting on us the whole time. But you got to know, church, that God will fulfill his promises. Not only will it fulfill his promises, but the second thing we see in our text, it's verse 14, is this, that God has provided peace with himself. See, after the first angel shows up and they, they tell the shepherds that, A Savior has been born. All of a sudden, here come a big group of angels. And they're doing nothing but praising God. We see it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. See, what God had done on that first Christmas night was to send his way for you and I as fallen, broken, sinful people to finally be brought back into a relationship with God. We see Isaiah writing in the 53rd chapter. He says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. See, all the way back again in the prophet Isaiah, God is saying, there's nothing that you and I can do to earn our way back into a right relationship with God. There's nothing you and I can do to save ourselves. But before the foundation of the world, God knew that not only would Adam sin, but he knew you and I would sin. And before the foundation of the world, before he said, let there be light in Genesis, God had a plan to send a provider of peace, a person that would make it possible what you and I could never do on our own. And maybe you're thinking, well, who is this for? Because it all sounds great, but it certainly can't be for me. Yet listen to what it says. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to 
all people. Now, how many are all people? Oh, I have Dr. Elmer Towns at liberty to thank for this, but he drilled it into my head. When you see the word all in Scripture, all means all, and that's all all means. Okay? All doesn't mean all the good little church people. All doesn't mean certain other groups. All people means all people. So whether this is the millionth time you've been in church or the first time you've been in church, this promise of good news of great joy was meant for you. It was meant to give you a peace and a joy and a hope that is only possible through this gift that God sent. You see, peace isn't a reward that God just gives away. Peace is a gift that he shows to those that he's showing his favor to. And really that end of that verse when it says of great joy, peace, and goodwill towards men, that goodwill is God's grace. See, because of God's grace, he is offering you peace. See, that child that we celebrate at Christmas... He came for a very specific purpose. He didn't come for presents. He didn't come for lights. He came to lay his life down on a cross. Not for a thing that he had ever done, but everything that you and I have ever done in our life. You know, we often think that this is too great to be true. We think, oh, certainly that applies to other people. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the the wrong roads I've gone down. To which I say to you, you don't know the roads I've gone down. You don't know the mistakes I've made. But I do know this, what Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 tells us is this, that where sin did abound, grace did abound much more. In other words, you cannot out-sin the grace of God. That's good news. But the issue is, you and I cannot earn this grace. We cannot earn our peace with God. Rather, we have to accept it by faith. That I can't do it, but Jesus did it on my behalf. And he didn't wait for me to clean my life up. He didn't wait for me to become, quote-unquote, a good person. No, no, no. See, Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you and I were at our worst, God gave us his best. Not only does he fulfill his promises, not only does this baby uh, provide peace with God, but the third thing we see in this text, again, verse 14, is this, the baby is proof of God's love and grace. Again, while Christmas is a time of joy and celebration for a lot of people, some of you walked in with a two-ton weight on your shoulder tonight. Some of you are suffering in silence. You're carrying around a load. Maybe it's because a relationship went south. Maybe it's because somebody that you know is suffering. But tonight you're questioning, does God really love me? And if God loves me, why does he allow me to go through this? How could this happen? 
See, the story of Christmas actually answers both of our questions because, again, in verse 10, it says that it will be for all people. See, God made everything perfect. Adam and Eve and everyone after him messed it up. But God didn't give up. God pursued each and every one of us. And tonight, maybe you've been running from God for a long time. Maybe you've sat in church services like this most of your life, and you have a great head knowledge of God. You may be able to quote an awful lot of verses. You may be able to open up that hymnal and sing every song in there. You may be able to turn it on to Spirit FM or to The Journey and sing every song that's on that. But tonight, if you're being really honest, you don't have any joy and peace in your life. You're wondering, does God really love me? Is God really willing to save me? And again, the overwhelming answer to that is yes. And he did it, not because we deserved it. Not because he knew there was going to be some merit in us. Again, when we were at our worst, God gave us his best. You see, we often talk about and we spend so much time going and shopping for that perfect gift. We, we think about the person and we plan and we budget and, and we do all of this. But we count the cost and we go, well, listen, I love them, but I can only afford this much, so I'm going to have to stay within this financial parameters. Yet that never entered God's mind. See, God didn't go, okay, I'm going to love you up to this point. I'm going to love you until it gets difficult. Then the first person who doesn't like me, like, I'm out of here. God loved the rebels all the way to the cross. That's why we sing one of my favorite hymns is Jesus paid it all. See, Jesus knew when he left the glory of heaven, he knew why he was coming. He knew that the vast majority of people weren't going to love him. He knew he was going to be rejected by people close to him. He knew that those he came to save those that were shouting Hosanna and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on Sunday would be shouting crucify him on Friday. And he came willingly. And he came lovingly because there's no other way. So what do we do with it? What do we do with this gift that, that we often talk about? Simply put one point, Surrender to God's grace. Literally, there's nothing left for you and I to do. There's nothing that we can do that's going to make God love us any more than he already does. There's nothing that you and I can do that will cause God to want to save us any more than he already desires to. You need to know that peace with God is available to you. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done in life, this peace that we sing about and proclaim from God's word is available to every person in the world. But it's not automatic. See, the most famous verse in all scripture, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish. See, God loved the world, so he gave everyone in the world his son. But that promise of forgiveness and eternal life are to those who believe in him. The only ones who have peace with God are those who have placed all their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who are going, there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation, but God did it all. I'm going to trust in him. So my question tonight is this. If you are here and you have never surrendered to God's grace, what's keeping you from doing it? What is it in your life, what is it going through your mind that you go, this isn't for me? You don't have to have your life together. Yeah, when Jesus found me, my life was a mess. You know what my life is? It's a mess that God's making into a masterpiece. I don't have it figured out. You can ask my wife. You can ask my four kids. I still mess up every single day. And not one time does God go, I'm done with you. I'm out. His love continues to pursue us even to the depths of hell. Because he said, we're worth that. He desires that glory, that relationship. So the Bible says, in order for us to have this peace, we have to believe a a few things. The first one is that we have to believe that we're sinners. That is, that we have rejected God's grace. That we have been trying to be good enough, trying to get ourselves into heaven on our own merit. See, Scripture says, for all of sin and come sure of the glory of God. And this isn't just about, all right, you got cut off in traffic and you laid on the horn at somebody. This isn't that you lost your cool because, well, the crazy crowd's shopping. See, that sin ultimately is you going, I know Jesus died for me, but I don't care. I'm going to do it my way. You see, the road to hell is paved with two things. Good intentions and people who did it their way. We've got to believe that God's way is the only way, which means this. The second thing that we have to believe is that Jesus died in our place. That is, he died the death that you and I should have died so that we could have the life that we don't deserve. God's not asking us to go out and earn our way. He said, I'm going to make the way. You love me. You trust me. I'm going to save you. I'm going to change you. And I'm going to use you to change the world. And then we're told that we're to confess it. That is, we need to verbally share it with people. We need to tell people about the grace that came and invaded our life and changed our heart. So what's stopping you from doing it? What's stopping you from receiving the greatest gift and truly the only gift that any of us need? My, my prayer is tonight as we continue to move through this service, it's, it's very simple. That if you have never trusted in Christ, that tonight's going to be that night. 
that you would seek me out after the service. There's about 15 to 20 other people in here that would love to just sit down and talk to you about Jesus. Maybe you're going, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure I'm ready to make that decision, but I do have some questions. I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Listen, I have nothing more important than to share with you the one thing that has eternally changed my life. And there are other people who would love to do that. My prayer is you're going to do it before you leave. But if you leave this place and you got questions, I hope you'll reach out to us. You can call the church phone. Probably on the bulletin, there's some contact information. If not, here it is. Pastor Justin at westlakebaptist.org. That's an email that goes straight to my phone. If you got a question, if there's something that I could do, something this church can pray for you about, I hope you'll send that message. We don't want anything from you other than this, to know that you know that you are a child of God. Because that's the greatest gift, that's the greatest treasure, that's the greatest assurance you can ever have in this life. And we want to share how. So I'm going to ask you one more time, what's stopping you? I'm going to pray right now that God's going to, whatever your doubt, whatever your hesitation, I'm going to pray that he's going to remove it. Let's pray together. Fathers, we continue to go through this worship service tonight. God, I again just thank you for everything that you have done for us. God, I look back over my life and and for so long, I ran away from you. For so long, I I just tried to go through those motions to uh, appease my conscience. God, I thank you that you never stopped pursuing me. That you continue to come at me with your love and your grace. And that when you found me, God, you began to change my heart and my life. No, I'm not the man I should be, but praise God, I'm not the man I used to be. God, I praise you for everybody that's got that same testimony tonight. But God, I know that you still desire to save more. You're willing to save any and all who will simply trust in you. And so, Father, as we celebrate Christmas, may we always remember that the greatest gift was never placed under a tree. Rather, it was hung on a tree. And it was hung on a cross for every person. For the churchgoer and the atheist. For the person who is all about physical fitness to the addict. That truly the cross is the answer for whatever problems we are facing. So God, I pray tonight that you would just continue to speak to the hearts and the lives of those who are here. And Lord, I pray that if they need to simply surrender to your grace, that tonight they would. That if we can answer some questions about what it means to to be a Christian, what it means to follow you, that God, they would ask them. That tonight could truly be a time of joy and celebration. And for those that have come in here who are hurting, who are beat down, who are sad, who are depressed, 
who are frustrated, stressed, and strung out. God, I pray that tonight they would know that you love them and that they don't have to carry the burdens that they're carrying right now. Your word tells us to cast all of our cares on you because you care for us. And so God, if there's something that's on their mind that's weighing them down, that's stealing their joy, Lord, would you let them know that there is hope, that there is joy, that there is peace that can be found in you tonight. Help them to cry out to you even in the quietness of this moment. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And most of all, thank you for saving a wretch like me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as each of you came in,